The last few weeks, we have been working through uh, Luke chapter 6, which records Jesus' or I should say Luke's account of Jesus' probably one of his most famous sermons, the Sermon on the Mount, or in Luke, it's the Sermon on the Plain, as he describes on a level ground. And so we're finishing that up today. And throughout it, we'll see that there's one proverb that Jesus states, and it is the, the theme of this last section of his sermon. And this proverb is this. You will become like your teacher. You will become like your teacher. And it's a proverb that starts at this section and it continues through to the end. You will become like your teacher. And as we begin considering that, uh, we can consider how much that does affect our lives in every aspect. Parenting. Your kids will become like you. We think about that with our own parents, right? Like, wow, I, like Casey's uh, the other day where I was working on the, the shed, or I should say I was staring at the shed, trying to figure things out, and I don't know if it was the way I was standing or whatever. She's like, wow, you're treating your dad day after day. Which I think was a compliment. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm still not sure about that one. But we, we become like our parents. And so like in the, the, the command we see in the New Testament, Ephesians 6.4, bring your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord is massively significant. They will become like us. They'll become power teaching. And so Paul says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Our marriage, Ephesians 5, the go-to passage a lot of times for marriage. We have this, this message that the wife is in a great way becoming like her husband under his influence. Ephesians 5, Paul writes, Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave him up for her that he might sanctify her and have cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present her, present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. And through that passage, Paul intertwines Jesus, what he's doing to the church and how that's pictured in the husband and wife. And there's an aspect of the husband's leadership and the wife um, being influenced by that. And so this proverb of Jesus, that you're becoming like your teacher, it affects our kids, it affects us in our marriage, it affects our personal life. Colossians chapter 1, and I, I preached on this over a year ago now, Paul writes this, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And we'll see a lot of those themes there reflected in sermons, uh, Jesus' sermon. But increasing in the knowledge of God. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And so whoever teaches you, Whoever teaches your kid, whoever influences you, whatever influences your kid, they and you are becoming just like them. Influence has consequences. And that's what we see in this passage that Jesus entered. Influence has consequences. Whether that be conscious influence, meaning the influence that we can observe and notice very readily or very easily, like those that teach us or uh, me preaching, something that influences us directly, or the more subconscious or the unobserved influence that still impacts us and molds us. It's like the difference between what's taught and what's caught. Like what's uh, conscious is what we can see. That's very clear. It's what we're taught. And then what we're 
caught, what we're catching is a kind of subconscious, this worldview being presented that still molds us, if even more than what we're taught. Influence has consequences. The hours of influence we have will develop our norm, our normal, that will then develop our beliefs and values, and then, that will, then our life will come out of that. The influence leads to our normal, which leads to our beliefs and values, which leads to our actions in our life. And we know this. We know that how powerful this is. We look at the, the media. If you have something going, a narrative going, that's not even completely accurate, saying it over and over and over and over and over, and that's all it is, and that's the influence, that becomes the normal. That becomes what we all believe because it's just what, what, what's been told, the influence of it. Uh, Joseph, I can't say his last name, Goebbels, I think his name is, he was the, the Nazi propaganda minister. And he said this quote, it's attributed to him, it's very similar to, to Hitler's quote in Mein Kampf. He says this, if you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. The influence, it leads to the normal. It leads to our beliefs, our values. If you are constantly being pressed down by a worldview, by an influence, it takes quite a bit of resilience to, to withstand it. You're being pressed down day after day at work, at school, uh, through the media, through social media, constantly being pressed down by this belief system that this is what you should value, this is what you should be doing. Constantly pressed down. It will mold and shape you. If we're not being resilient, we're not looking at it, seeing it, analyzing it, and then seeing what the actual truth is, what we should be coming, the, the biblical worldview. And the same goes for our kids, who are far more impressionable. But this is the point, the problem that Jesus says that we're going to head, open up to right here. You will become like your teacher. Therefore, influence has consequences. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 6. If you don't have your Bibles, there is a Bible right in front of you in your pew. And if you're using that Bible, it will be on page 810. But whatever you're using, if you want to open up to Luke chapter 6. As I mentioned, we are we're finishing up Luke's account of Jesus' uh, Sermon on the Mount or Sermon on the Plain. So Luke chapter 6, verse 39 is what we're starting in. Luke 6, 39. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye? When you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye, you hypocrites, first take a log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. For no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruits. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good, measure, the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of the, his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance, abundance of the, his heart, his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, 
I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation of the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been built well. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So the first part we see here is that you become like your teacher. Jesus begins with these two questions. Oh, he, he tells a parable, it says, and the, the word parable means uh, a parable that we're used to seeing, like in Luke, the parable of the, the Good Samaritan, or the parable of the wheat and tares, these parables. It also can refer to a proverb, a simple proverb, which is exactly what Jesus says here. And Jesus begins, verse 7, with two questions. Can a blind man lead a blind man? The answer, no. The actual question, how it, the, the grammar of it, it assumes a negative answer. No. A blind man cannot lead a blind man. In fact, it was very dangerous in that time. They did not have the medical uh, knowledge and all the resources that we have. And so blindness was pretty common, far more common than it was nowadays in the ancient world. And it was dangerous because there's unfenced quarries, there's crevices in the ground. And so it was very dangerous being blind. And so just the idea of the blind leading the blind is an obvious, no, that's not good one bit. And Jesus builds on that with the second question. Will they not both fall into a pit? Isn't that the inevitable? And the answer, the, the grammar of the answer is clear. Yes, they will fall in a pit. And this word for pit, just to, to build on this, this picture, is not a simple ditch that you and I probably go into and there's just a little bit of water where it soaks our shoes and our socks. We walk around all day a little frustrated and angry because we got wet socks, right? That's not the pit it's talking about. It's talking about a very deep pit that you fall in, you're not coming out. You fall in, you're going to be injured and probably will die in there. That's the picture being here. Can the blind lead the blind? No. Will they not both fall into a very dangerous pit? Yes, is the assuming answer. And then Jesus builds on it with his, his, uh, his proverb, which explicitly says what he means. A disciple is not above his teacher. The student will become like his teacher. The common saying that we talk about kids and uh, their, adult, their their parents, if we know them, was uh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? It, I assume you've all heard that. The apple does not fall far from the tree. And that's true. They've raised the kids. They will become like the teacher. And it's clear that that saying is exactly what Jesus is saying here. You will become like your teacher. What is influencing you, you will become. The student adopts the life and the views, the beliefs of the teacher. And this was very obvious at that time that in a student, Jesus' time, a student would literally, exactly what we see with the disciples, they'll pick up their lives and just follow the teacher everywhere, doing everything with the teacher. They're, they're easily learning everything from the teacher. And so this is a clear picture. Influence has consequences. Who you're listening to, what's being taught, your favorite authors, it has consequences. But also the, the more subconscious or unfocused being the media, the social media, uh, music, movies, if we are not critical and analyzing things, we are being influenced. Charles Spurgeon, he said this, he says, we may be scarcely conscious of it, but we are most surely being conformed to the likeness of those to whose influence we spend ourselves. Whoever then your master may be, dear friend, you're changing into his image. 
And Paul makes this very clear in Romans 12, 2, which I read. If you, if you, you probably at Luke 6, turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I'm going to read the verse again. Paul says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And I know we've covered this before, but this is a, a really important verse. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Both of them is passive, meaning what? You're not acting on yourself. Something else is acting on you to be conformed or to be transformed. And this idea of do not be conformed to the world is this idea of literally being pressed into a mold. You have the mold of the world. Do not be pressed into the mold. That's what the, the word picture is there. Do not be conformed to the mold of the church. And this is a perfect picture. We're constantly being pressed by the world, the influence of the world, with uh, who's teaching us, what we listen to, the movies, TV shows, radio, all that kind of stuff, good or bad, there's constantly being pressed. Paul says, do not be conformed, but be transformed. This influence from the world is the the air we breathe, if we're not careful. It's just the normal. It's what we catch, the worldview we catch. And I was listening to a sermon. I think it was a sermon. I was reading it. And the the author, the preacher said, this is exactly why constantly from pulpits, People are preaching about abortion, homosexuality, uh, transgenderism, preaching against it. They can't just be one and done. We have to continue to preach about it because we are continually being pulled and pressed by the world into its worldview, into how it views the world, and how it views uh, family, how it views God, how it views sexuality, how it views everything. We're constantly being pressed that these things need to be taught, that we, this is not biblical, this is not what it means to follow God. And so the idea is that we're constantly being influenced. Influence has consequences. And who your teacher is, is who you are becoming. Who we're listening to, but also our kids. And I think of with Sawyer, and the one in the way I constantly think about who are they listening to, who are they becoming. And we we think about one of the, the greatest influencers on our kids is education. Education is inseparable from discipleship. Inseparable. One one guy has said, the greatest impact we can have in a life is through education. We have been called to make disciples, not converts. And the most effective means of discipling the next generation is education. The hours of influence. Who is teaching your kids? In Africa, um, many, many Muslims are coming to Christ. And the reason for it, the culprit, if you will, is not evangelistic crusades, but the the method or the mode that's happening through on a human way is Christian education. The Christian schools have far better education than the other uh, Muslim schools or whatever other schools there are. And so they go to the Christian education, and there they hear the gospel, they hear about Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus, and they're being converted that way. And the point we see here is just that influence has consequences. Whoever your teacher is, is who you're becoming. Vodibakov, he said this once. 
just showing that influence has consequences. He said this, if you send your kids to Caesar to be educated, don't be surprised when they come back as Romans. And the idea there is that do not overlook the influence of people being into your kids' lives. And we see this very clearly throughout the Old Testament. It's a very clear command of the importance of leading your kids to know who God is, teaching God's word to your kids, raise up a discipline instruction of the Lord. If you have time, Psalm 78 talks all about that. You, that we need, the next generation needs to know who the Lord is. We need to be teaching the next generation. Joshua, I know I'm jumping a little bit, but Joshua, Moses, and then Joshua took over. And at the end of Joshua's life, this is in Judges 2. It says this. Listen to this. It says, When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his, his inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen the great work that the Lord has done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in Tanath Perez, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the Mount of Gage. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he has done for Israel. And that's right at the beginning of Judges. And if you have read Judges, the most interesting and the most despicable acts are in Judges. Following this verse in Judges 2, that there was Joshua, everyone followed the Lord. After Joshua, the elders all led them, they continued to follow the Lord. And then another generation arose that did not know the Lord, and then just a mess after that. It was absolutely horrible. Those who have read Judges, the things that happened, super interesting and incredibly despicable stuff that happened. The point is this, that we see here. You are becoming like your teacher. Influence has consequences. Your, your, your kids are becoming like their teachers, the influencers, both the very explicit as in teachers, uh, uh, your Sunday school teachers, me, slowly becoming, but also the un, uh, the implicit things, media, social media, slowly becoming like your teacher. That's the main problem here. The second point that Jesus makes is this. The teacher, whoever it is, whether it's you or someone else, should follow their own teaching. The teacher should follow their own teaching. If they're not, it's very dangerous. And we see that in verse 41 with a very common picture we've seen. Right? The brother with a speck in their eye, and then the other brother who's got a log in their eye, and the one with the log is trying to help the one with the speck, right? I'm certain many of us can see the humor in this. The word for the, the, um, the speck in the eye is literally just a piece, just a part of it, right? You're working at, some, at something at home, which happens very common, and you're just like, ah, oh. you're like, ah, oh, this isn't good. And then you're, right, you're rubbing your eye. Casey makes fun of me because, like, I'm done. The day's over. If I can't get this on my eye, we're done. What can I do? But you're just like, ah, oh, this is so annoying, and you can, you can press through it. And then you got the other one. And this word log is not like, oh, you got log out. That's pretty crazy. This literally is the word for the beam in the house. Yesterday, uh, my brother-in-law was over, so we were working on uh, a lean tour putting up. So we are putting up some headers, some two-by-eights nailed together. It's a big beam. It took two of us to haul this thing up. 
And literally, Jesus gives this almost cartoon picture of a one with the speck that's probably like, oh, man, can't get this. And this other guy literally has a beam knocking things at all. Let me help you with that. And that's literally the picture he's given here. And you can hear that, like, this is insane. This is insanity. And that's exactly what Jesus is going to cross. That if a teacher is not following their own teaching, has their own issues of being, and it's like, hey, let me help you with that speck that's in your eye. You're like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Influence has consequences. We need to be careful who our teachers are. And so we see, number one, bad teachers, bad influencers are those who try to tell you how to solve your problems when they have far worse and far more issues than yours. They're the ones that say, let me help you with that speck. While they have a beam in their eye and they're smashing all the vases, they're smashing all the stuff all over. This is all over in Scripture. Paul says, Colossians, Colossians 2, he says this, These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity of the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. It looks good. It sounds like they're the leader, yet they, have, they can't solve their own issues. They don't have any effect. Paul, again, 2 Timothy, having the appearance of godliness but denying the power. And then Peter, talking about false teachers, 2 Peter chapter 2, he says this. False teacher says, they promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. So you got that picture of a guy who, who's got an issue with a, with a speck of sight and the other. The teacher's coming with a beam. Let me help you with that. And it's like, well, you've got your own issues. You can't even see clearly to help mine. And is that not clearly what we see nowadays? Someone who's trying to tell you how to live, someone trying to tell you how you should live, solve these problems, when they themselves have massive issues they're just overlooking, if it's no big deal. Dangerous influencers try to help you with your spec while they have a beam in their eye. False, dangerous teachers do not follow their own teaching. They say, take out the speck, while they have not taken out the speck and the beam in their own eye. The teacher, the dangerous teacher, is one that does not follow their own advice. They do not follow their own advice. They say, give, give the money, give this, give this, but they themselves do not give. Uh, Let me run through some recent examples. Uh, Recent news have given a plethora of examples of this. Uh... Chris Cuomo in the news. He's big on, I'm not saying anything about his character, I'm just giving the example. He's big on shaming you if you do not, um, if you do not prosecute people without trial if they're accused of something. Like the, the Me Too movement in that form. No trial, no investigation, just uh, assume it's true and prosecute and destroy his life. Well, recently, there was some sound bit that came out where he was accused, and he was just trashing the people. It's just an example of someone who says, do this, but they don't follow their own teaching. Like I said, there's a plethora in the news. Uh, A mayor of a certain city, a very large city, 
said, you can't go out, you can't get a haircut. What did they do? They wouldn't go get a haircut. Yup, that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. They say this, but they, they're dangerous because they don't follow what they're saying. A certain congresswoman says you have to wear a mask. Went to a salon, didn't wear a mask. Well, okay, thank you. This is exactly the picture of do this, but I'm not going to follow that teaching. A doctor gives all these recommendations about these masks. Doesn't wear a mask while at a baseball diamond. There's this picture of do this. I'm saying to do this, but don't do this. Jesus has a word for this. It's called hypocrite. And he says it right in the verses here. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take up a speck in your brother's eye. But this can be turned on us. Our kids, those we teach, are becoming like us. Do we have beams in our eyes and try to help people take a speck out of their own? Please notice, Jesus does not say, therefore, since none of you are perfect, do not help your brother who has a speck in his own eye. That's not what he says. He says, first, focus on yourself. Apply what you're preaching, what you're teaching to yourself in some way, and then you'll see a lot more clearly to help others. And that weighs heavily on my life as those who are cynical teachers. It's really hard to, to preach some stuff that I'm not even close, not even close to, to being a good example of. But we should be effective first. Is there some progressive sanctification in that area? And that applies to all of us as parents, right? How hard is it to teach something to our kid that we ourselves were horrible at as a kid? We did not listen to our own parents. And we may even be struggling with now. And we're saying, but this is true. Uh, do not be angry. Like little Sawyer, God calls you not to be angry. There's forgiveness in Christ, but you're not supposed to be angry. Well, his dad is not always the most happiest guy in the world and struggles with that. How do we do that? Take the, the beam of your eye, be working on yourself, and then you can help your brother with the speck. Influence has consequences. You're becoming like your teacher. Teachers are dangerous if they're not following their own teaching. And they say, do this, but they don't do that. And they try to help you with their own with your issue when they, don't, they have issues of their own. The third point we see here is that we can determine the quality of a teacher based on the fruit. And this is a very well-known picture we have, right? The good fruit, a good tree produces good fruit, a bad tree produces bad fruit. Who has gardens? Yeah, Max, raise your hand higher. I need to have a garden. I know you did too, AJ. What are you doing? Who are fruit tree, right? Casey and I, we, we've been making salsa, and uh, some plants obviously are not good plants as there's nothing good coming from them. And in the same way, it's it's a, it's, a, it's a common sense. If it's a good tree, it'll produce good fruit. If it's good fruit, that means the inner condition of the tree is pretty healthy. In the same way, a tree will produce after its nature. We do not go to the onion plant. All right, when are we getting those tomatoes? When are they coming? Oh, boy, oh, boy. Or go to the, the corn stalk. Where's those raspberries? I've been waiting all season for it. And that's, that's obviously, that's, that's ridiculous. Because we know that you produce after... The, the plant produces after its nature. So what's the point? Influence has consequences. When we discern those who are influencing us, do we look at their fruit or do we look at what they're producing? Because if we're becoming like our teacher, we are slowly becoming exactly what they're producing. 
And so we need to discern what we are allowing to influence us and to influence our kids and everyone else. Everything, everything is stated from a worldview, a view of the world, everything. Nothing is neutral. Our country likes to present atheism, no God, as neutral. Oh, it's just neutral. There's no religion, therefore it's neutral. That's the furthest from the truth it can be. It's a belief system. It's not neutral. There's no neutral topic. There's Everything's presented from a worldview, how they view life, how they view the dignity of life, how they view marriage, how they view sexuality, how they view math even, how they view English. It all comes from the worldview. No subject or topic is neutral. So we become like our teachers. Teachers are dangerous if they have a beam in their eye, but they're trying to solve our issues. And we need to discern the quality of the teachers, what they're producing, because if we're becoming like them, we will be producing what they're producing. And then we come to the end of Jesus' sermon. And it's decision time. Look at this. Verse 46. The end of his sermon. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do and do not do what I tell you? After he talks about the Beatitudes, of what it means to follow him, after he talks about love and what that actually looks like, and then after he talks about influencers, the teachers in your life, he then says, why are you calling me Lord, Lord, but you're not doing what I say? You're not obeying what I'm saying. And that's the same question that's said to me and to you this morning. Why? Why do you call Jesus Lord and Lord and put on a public display but yet refuse to obey him in this certain area of your life? Your obedience and your actions show you what you believe. James makes this very clear. Faith without works is dead. We're saved by faith alone, but this faith is a faith that works. What you believe will be expressed to your actions. It's like uh, if Ryan, can you use your example, Ryan? If all day, all morning, he's like, I believe that pew is stable. It will hold me. It's the best pew there is out of all. Where's Aaron? I'd ask him how many numbers, how many pews there are in here. That's the best pew. That This is the best pew. But yet, if he does not sit on it, if he sits on every other pew, we're like, this guy, he's just all talk, right? What are you talking about? He's not sitting on it. We will believe that's what you believe once you sit on it. In the same way, uh, who likes uh, DeWalt tools, power tools? I'm going to try to start a fight. Who likes like more Milwaukee, right? If all day you're like, DeWalt is the best. No question. No question. It is the best. And then we go to your toolbox, and all it is is Milwaukee tools. This guy's nuts. He's all talk. In the same way, if all day we're saying, yep, Jesus is Lord. He is so great. I love him. I love him. But then we look at the person who says that their life, and it's furthest from the truth. Furthest from the truth. Their views on abortion. They're sleeping around with everyone. They're not committed to their, their, kid, their, their wife. Whatever. It is clear from their action that they are not at all following Christ or their faith in Christ. In the same way, she says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you do not do what I say? Because by not doing it, clearly I'm not your Lord. And what a pointed question about obedience. If you are not doing what Jesus is saying, we make a mockery of him. We will call him Lord, Lord. 
Just like on the day he was crucified, the Roman soldiers dressed him up in purple, bowed down mockingly, said, oh, all hail the king of the Jews. And it was a mockery because their actions show the opposite. In the same way, when we call Jesus Lord and we our lives are not marked by becoming more like Christ because he's our teacher, we make a mockery of Christ. And Jesus ends with a picture of two houses, right? Two houses he gives us. He says, the one, the one who hears me and obeys is like a house that's built and it goes right down to the foundation. And so when the storm comes, because it will come, it's able to stand. The other house is like the one that hears but does not obey. Just builds on the ground, no foundation. And, and uh, everyone, like, you're like, this guy's nuts. Like, if it's not on a foundation, it's going to blow over. The water's going to come up, it's going to destroy it. And Jesus says, as great as it's to fall. What's interesting, though, most likely, it's the same storm that hit both of them. They're probably in the same area. Secondly, there's a good chance they looked like the same house. Just from the top up, it looked the same. But below, it was different. One had the foundation, the other one did not. Which household is yours? Joshua, he said this to the Israelites. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river, or the gods, the Amorites, whom you, whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Which house are yours? Go back to the start of Jesus' sermon, Luke chapter 6, verse 18. If you remember, it's a mixed crowd that comes, right? And verse 18, it describes this crowd who came to hear him, right? Specifically, this crowd came to hear him. Jesus, at the end of his sermon, look at this, verse, uh, where is this? Verse 47. Everyone who comes to me and hears my word, which is everyone who's there, and does them, I'll tell you what he's like. He goes in the picture. Clearly, the crowd that came, they came to hear. We here today, we've come to hear. We've come, we've heard, praise God, but that's not enough, Jesus says. That's not enough. You need to obey. So the whole sermon culminates in this call to obey. You've come and you've heard, praise God, but that's not enough. You must obey. So what has the Spirit of God impressed in your life? An area that you may have been just avoiding. What area of your life has the Holy Spirit been pressing? It needs to be changed here. So Jesus the proverb. You're becoming like your teacher. So choose to learn from Jesus. Choose to learn from Jesus. The teacher should be consistent, follow his own teaching, right? Jesus, he's teaching us to love and obey while he was the one who obediently went to the cross and died because he loved you. He says love and he loves. The teachers know by his fruit. Look at Jesus' life. Perfect love, perfect compassion, perfect strength to stand for what is right, perfect righteousness, perfectly confronting those doing injustice, perfectly ruling as he reigns. A teacher, they will lead you to avoid the pits, unlike a blind man. And that's exactly what Jesus does. He can see. He sees clearly. And he can see clearly to help you with the speck in your own eye. 
And so you can learn from Jesus. Choose to learn from Jesus. Influence has consequences. So let me wrap up here with just a few points of application. Number one, look at your life. Are there marks in your life as Christ as your teacher? That you're becoming like Christ because he's your teacher. Because you are becoming like your teacher. Whether it's Jesus, whoever it is, you're becoming like your teacher. Can someone, an outsider, look at your life, look at the life of the average American, and see the differences? They can see how you choose to do things differently financially. You choose to, to lead your household differently because you're following Christ. You choose whatever. You, there's clearly a difference between you and your average American because you're following Christ. Now, as we're talking about these influences, does that mean that your children cannot can only watch rated G movies until they're 18? That's not what I'm saying. Not at all. If that's what you chose to do, go for it. I think there's some good rated G movies. I'm not sure which ones they are. That's, but what is wise, clearly, is that influence has consequences. And so if you are not there helping your kids to analyze and understand, hey, do you see how in this movie, even pausing, do you see how they're presenting women in this picture? Tell me what do you like, or pausing, hey, how are they presenting fathers in this TV show? Just to help them analyze, okay, what is this real view being presented? Hey, help me understand, how do you see them presenting Christians here? How are they presenting them? I was just watching a movie that presented Christians as just absolutely hating people who hate homosexuals, just wants to kill them all. It's like, that's not even the truth. That's how they're presenting. That's what's being presented in the, the movie. So are we helping our kids analyze what they're being influenced by? Another point, we often say we often say that quality time with our kids is better than quantity time. That quality time is better than quantity time. And I agree, quality time is really, really good. But I think we say that at a neglect of quantity time. The time we spend, the amount of time is vastly important. It's the hours of influence as it develops the normal. It's the quantity of time that we just catch. We just start adopting whatever that influence is. So we need to make sure we have quantity time as well. So you're becoming like your teacher. We need to be critical of all teaching. Not cynical, but critical. Critical of what I teach. Critical of whatever you're listening to. We need to be critical. Is this in accordance with the Lordship of Christ? With God's word. So Jesus is Lord. He's just finishing up his sermon here. Following him. This is what it means to love. Influence has consequences. And then why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? And praise God that he's a good Lord. He's gracious. He is very forgiving. He's slow to anger. He's merciful. And if we submit to him in faith, we have forgiveness for our sin. And how good is that, that even while Alex, I, I gave the picture last week of the, the little toddler who, who's swimming on the water, right? And it looks over at his friends. It's like, what's up? I can swim. I'm only, how toddlers, two? I'm only two. What's up? Well, what's actually going on is that the father has his hands just underneath the water, 
carrying the kid across. In the same way, how many times do I see myself as a kid? I'm like, what's up, Casey? You see this? I'm the best man there is. Relatively. Let us go with that. But in actuality, it's God being so gracious, as I'm so prideful, so self-centered, uh, so angry at times. God is so merciful and gracious. He's a good Lord. And so here is today saying to you and to me, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? For if you do do what I say, there is stability and security when the storms come, because they will come. And if you're not doing what Christ says, the storms will come, and it will not be good. Things will fall apart. So you have come, you have heard, now will you obey what Jesus says? For he is a good Lord.